Welcome to the Off Duty On Duty Podcast, episode number 15. I'm your host, Brian Eastridge. Welcome to the podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com podcast network. The Off Duty On Duty Podcast, we're going to take topics relevant to today's gun owners and we tackle them from the perspective of everyday concealed carriers and the perspective of on-duty law enforcement officers, giving you both angles of discussion. Today, we bring back my old buddy, Hanny McMood. Apparently, I broke the internet recently with a, a statement I made on some social media, and it had to do with a particular ready position of a handgun. So we're going to talk uh, the two ready positions, Temple Index and Sewell, two of the ready positions, not the only ones. Well, we're going we're gonna to talk about the pros and cons of that and uh, kind of some history and origin. We're going to keep it pretty light today. Today's episode brought to you again by Range Tech Bluetooth Shot Timers. Every serious shooter should have a shot timer to measure speed and accuracy on the range. The new Range Tech Bluetooth Timer is the most affordable, high-tech, and feature-rich timer on the market. $25 less than the competitor's. The Range Tech Timer connects to your phone via Bluetooth and gives you accuracy and power of a dedicated shot timer, along with advantages of online storage, auto scoring, and much more. Learn more at rangetechtimer.com. Go pick one of these up. I just put one through the paces at the range the other day and uh, borrowed a little page from one Riley Bowman and put my phone on a stand. And I'm shooting in an indoor range. Add the range to myself. And it was really kind of cool to be able to look over there and have a heads-up display. I didn't have to look at my belt. Didn't even have to holster my gun. I could just glance down and see kind of what uh, what was going on there. And then had the ability to like take a picture of a target, score it, do all that stuff all on my phone. So it's, it's harnessing the power of your uh, computer-based phone to uh, give you the display and all the features of the shot timer. Really great piece of kit and rechargeable. It's another thing. I carried a little battery pack just in case, and it made it through my entire range session of about an hour and a half. Never even showed low battery. So the ability to, uh, you know, carry an extra power supply, Bluetooth that thing to like a tablet. Man, it, I'm, I'm looking forward to next summer for classes to really do that. So I've been talking about the range deck timer for a bit. I really love it. Want to thank Jacob Paulson from concealedcarry.com for connecting me with one of those shot timers. Hanny and I, we both are big believers in shot timers, and pretty much every serious shooter is. So check them out and uh, let's bring in our guest. So, my guest back with us for yet another week is Hanny. Hanny, how are you? I'm very good, sir. How have you been? I've been great. And, you know, this is the only part of the show that I feel slightly contrite about is because little does the audience know we've talked for like 10 to 12 minutes before this actually starts. So doing the introduction, it's like, I don't know. I feel like it's a dinner party and we're like, and so, and so is here, <laughs> but we rode in the car together or something. It's weird. Yeah, <sighs> but what they don't know is we didn't talk about the show. <laughs> no, we talked about everything, but what we were going to talk about, which is indeed um, um, our, our, our pattern. Yeah. It's like, Somebody asked me the other day, they're like, man, some of the stuff that comes out of your podcast, it just like, boom, it just happens. And I said, yeah, cause I don't, I don't rehearse it. I mean, I kind of keep a, a rough outline of where, where we're going and what we want to cover when we get there. Uh, but honestly, man, I just feel like it's more fresh if it's just a conversation. So this one, I I've, I've kind of jokingly called it the, the temple of Sewell. To, to cover the temple, temple and <laughs> kind of a play I on the old the temple of Sewell. <laughs> kind of kind of a play on the old Indiana Jones movie, but but anyway, um, and the alternate title is Brian broke the internet. Let's help <laughs> help Haney patch it back <laughs> together <laughs> or something. I'll do my best in that regard. And since also Hank Azaria has stopped doing the character of who, I will also do my best not to break into an accent. Um, <laughs> Since we're doing the Temple of Sewell. So, if anybody gets that, great. If not... Oh, uh, well, go look it up, right? So, 
Oh man, this one's already starting out great. So a little background. I found this picture on the interwebs of, uh, I think it was one of the office characters or something that like somebody had sent it to me in a message or something on the, on the, on the face space there. Right. And uh-huh. I commented on it and I made a little comment that said, uh, Oh no, it was Jim Carrey from dumb and dumber. And it's okay. where he's got the, like, he's going to fake throwing up or he's kind of getting sick to his stomach. And I said, this is the face I make when I see someone temple index, a $2,000 Glock and skinny Jane's, please stop it. <laughs> and, and it really wasn't a shot at people that use the temple index. It wasn't necessarily a shot at people that shoot like high end raced out Glocks. It, and it wasn't really a shot at people that, that wear tight fitting skinny jeans. It was kind of a a shot at like, I don't even know how to say it. Like the culture that seems to be springing up from the gun community. When I've talked to a few of them that have that, uh, I don't know how you would cut like the Chris Costa starter kit. Look, you know, (laughs) I, and and, and nothing against you what? made me choke there because you did it again, but okay. Yeah. Well, when they, when they, they have that look and I, I don't, Hey, I'm not knocking you. If that's your, if that's your jam roll with it, bro, you're part of the you 2A community. I am, I am, I am not that stylish in any, any form. No, uh, not in shooting, not in dressing, not in anything. Yeah. And, and I, I didn't mean for it to come off so abrasive. Uh, but it inspired this conversation about temple index and, uh, our good buddy out at Mead hall range, Bill Armstrong was like, well, you know, you should really re he kind of not, not that he got like, like aggravated at it, but it was just, I, I kind of just said, Hey, look, dude, I, I, I've been four years in the military and 18 years in law enforcement. I have never once put a hot piece of iron next to my skull for like, I just never have, I haven't seen the, and I've been in and out of vehicles. I've been, you know, I've been in some really intense stuff and I just have not seen the applicability for it or the necessity to make it a, anything more than just an alternate technique. I don't, I don't worship at the, like the, the altar of the temple index. I just, and and it's nothing against that technique but I kind of look at it like the position of Sewell. Once you kind of understand where it came from and the, the purpose of it, it's not a doctrine. It's just an alternative technique. Uh, that, that's my opinion. So speak to okay. Temple Index. We'll leave out skinny jeans and $2,000 Glocks later. But <laughs> um, Okay, so... I do have to say, I, I, I respect your intentions that you didn't mean to insult a whole um, subsection of our shooting community. <laughs> but, if, but it was pretty sharp. Um, and, and I'm not criticizing. I, I thought it was hilarious. But it was kind of like saying, you know, well, I didn't really mean to invade Poland. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I believe that you believe it, but, you know. But anyway, it was hilarious. So I can move on from there. Um, so I, I, I saw you posted that. And, and um, my, my response was pretty simple. I said, I, I see application for it in a couple of areas, if you remember. And that was it. And I yeah. left it at that. And, and that was so. literally, like, to me, that's the right answer. And I don't mean like I was, I was like soliciting for that answer. Yeah. I was like that okay perfect that's all there is like okay and and some people like got incensed by it and some people felt the necessity to really like rib me about no you're wrong and i'm like whoa 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 hey man i thought your answer was the most poignant poignant and pointed answer and the most uh eloquent in that there's some limited application oh hey fair enough educate me on well this technique. I'm often referred to as the poignant Arab. So, you know, it's perfect. 
where do you want to start? You want you wanted to go with Temple Index? Well, let, yeah, let's look sure. at Temple yeah. Index, and then we'll slaughter okay. we'll slaughter Sewell. Um, but okay, but I kind of so, want to hear I'll, your take on. One, where kind of, if you have a little bit of historical background on where did it come from? Can you speak okay. to that? Yeah, Sure. Uh, I, I don't know its origins uh, like I do Sewell. Okay. Because, and we'll, we'll get to Sewell, obviously. But, you know, I learned Sewell from Max Joseph and from Alan Brosnan. Right. That's who I learned it from directly. Right. And so I have a much better grasp of that. With Temple Index, th- there's many proponents of it. The two, the two biggest that jump to mind is Centrifuge Training, which is uh, a gentleman by the name of Will Petty, who's, who's a friend of mine. Yeah. And there is a place, I believe, up in Nebraska that has a good reputation called 88 Tactical. Okay. And my, my main training partner that I teach with, he went up and, and took like a, a really good three-day class from them. They, they are big proponents of it, and there are some really good instructors that work there. There are some SF guys, there yeah. are some cops, and so on. And they were very big on it. So my Temple Index knowledge base is much smaller, but at least it's only like one step removed, if okay. that makes any sense. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, Sewell, I can tell you like exactly how they came about with it. With Temple Index, not so much. Moving on from there... This was Go never ahead, in, ahead, this was never intended to be like a shot at sure. any instructor or any mantra or any of that. It was it was kind of a reference, like a, a funny reference to sure. some of the cultural stuff. And some of our guys went and trained with Centrifuge and were were soundly impressed by the material that they they presented. And Absolutely. I say that, I temper that with my intent was never to like whiz on their shoes. It was yeah. it was just kind of a, a funny off the cuff deal that went with a meme. So don't don't think yeah. I'm like poo pooing your technique or anything. No, I, I, just... I, I get that, uh, and you know, uh, uh, our shooting and training community takes themselves very seriously. Sometimes, yeah, uh, uh, so, yeah, sometimes, and uh, it, it borders on um, religious differences sometimes. But so. With Temple Index, how about I cut to the chase, which is what, what I think, uh, I think it, it, it's very applicable for. And I don't know all the areas it's applicable for. I know, I know what I know that I like about it. Okay. So, for instance, the, you know, there's, a, there's like an old, uh, you know, it's not a meme, but, but it's funny. It's like saying, you know, uh, if you fly in helicopters, point the muzzle down. If you, if you, travel in rubber boats that points the muzzle up right it's an old kind of truism and i think that that's about the best way that i can encapsulate it i use sewell and have learned sewell and have taught sewell for the purposes of sewell for many many years and then you know recently especially my my friend mike who is a great instructor and, and that i teach with all the time matter of fact i taught with him today one of the things is sometimes you don't want your muzzle pointed down. The two best examples that I can give you, uh, there's a, there's a good uh, video. I believe it's from the Seattle area. I don't think it's Seattle PD. It might be the County, but long story short, they're dealing with a guy. There's several officers there. The guy's not being very belligerent or anything. They're, de- they're dealing with him. He's cool. And they get a call while they're in the middle of dealing with this that there has been a vehicle that just had shots fired at a house, like right by them. The, a, a few seconds later, you hear gunshots. And so the officers drag the guy to the ground, which is a great thing because, you know, they're protecting, they're protecting essentially a, a, a potential suspect, you know, and he doesn't have any hand in whatever gunshots they've heard. Totally unrelated incident. Now, Right, totally unrelated incident, and uh, there's a couple bad things that came out of that. There were shots fired that, by them that should have been fired, but that's not the point. The point is, is that they were protecting him. They drug him to the ground, and every one of them did a perfect stool in terms of moving around each other and cover, and he stepped in front of each other. Who is at their feet? Oh, the, the guy they were trying to protect. Yeah. Nothing bad happened in that regard, but that would be a, a, a good example of when you have a default setting of when something kind of comes in your way, you know, default stool. 
uh, it has nothing to do with school being good or bad. It's any technique is, is a good technique unless it's unappropriate in, in that particular case, or it could be a good technique. And in that particular case, they were actually trying to protect this guy, but they're all muslim down. Yeah. That would be one example. Uh, I'll give you a second example that is, uh, you know, more, uh, more first person. We trained a young man, um, uh, you know, as a firearms instructor and in firearms instructor school, we, we do cover a small block on Temple Linda. It's basically kind of, kind of like Sewell in that, Hey, there's a, there's a time where it needs to be. used. So what happened was he is on a tax team and they were doing bus assault. So, uh, to, I, I suppose there's lots of ways to do bus assault. I only know one and, uh, they were doing the one I know, which is a, uh, one, one operator basically has a short length of ladder and he basically drops his back against the bus and pulls the ladder towards him. And the second guy rushes up the ladder and gets in a window, basically to port the window. And you do that in a couple different spots. Right. Okay. All right. So he goes back to a training day, and when he went to go scale the ladder, he went to Temple Index. And he had their commander, I think their commander, or their firearms instructor, one of the two, basically tear him a new one because you will not be doing that Temple Index BS around here. And he looked at him and he said, okay, but I'm scaling a ladder and and my partner is below me. I know you like Sewell, but don't you think that in this particular case, it's not appropriate? Like muzzle up would be better rather than me muzzling my teammate. Right. And, and the, the guy would have none of it. So there are two that, you know, to keep things fairly simple that come to mind that um, there are times where you don't want the muzzle uh, down. And, and sometimes, obviously, you don't want the muzzle straight out. And so uh, he, 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 he picked that tool and, and used it, in my opinion, in a, in, a, in, a, in a perfect place, in a perfect setting. Yeah, I would I say that's holding a ladder for him. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's a perfectly like practical application sure. and totally uh, like necessary in that to keep sure. from muzzling your buddy, right? Muzzling your buddy, muzzling a guy who's down, uh, like the, 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 the guy they were trying to protect from the gunshot and so on. So those are at least two that I can think of that, you know, off the top of my head. Yeah, it, it's got it's got a place. So that, that that was what I was thinking when I answered your, you know, your post. Yeah. And so to be honest with you, that was what I was thinking when that post was going on. Now yeah. I have literally never used that technique in all yep. my years of doing that. I've never once done a temple index with a pistol. Now I have yeah. had it muzzle high, muzzle up. I've sure. ne- I've never placed iron next to, you know, the command center up here. Yeah. And another thing that I've seen much like with Sewell that we'll get into in a minute is that some people subscribe to that to such a doctrinal level that Absolutely. that I think it gets a wee bit out of context. And what I mean by that is I recently saw a video on the instant grams uh, of a guy running in a full sprint with a uh-huh. Glock next to his noodle. And I'm thinking, yeah. dude, this is a, a, this is a recipe for disaster. I mean, and I'm talking about it was a timed event, and he is running full tilt sprint wide open mm-hmm. with a gun next to his head. And I thought, yeah, that is one misstep, one fall. That I don't like the idea of having to go full sprint with a gun in my hand to begin with, but if the situation arises, I definitely don't want it right next to my thinker, right? I kind of yep. want it away from me. So if I do take a fall, I can mitigate the muzzle to where it's going to go. And I'm not accidentally going to roll onto my wrist and screw the, screw the dangerous yep. end into the one place that will shut me off with a quickness. Right. And sure. I, I saw that and I went, man, that just, to me, it, it's unsettling. And 
I attribute that to people subscribing to one method as the 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 rule. And I don't think there's really anything in that, any technique that we use that is absolutely the rule, except like, don't point your gun at stuff that you don't want to destroy or kill. Right. Like that's the one unbreakable rule. Right. So, so that for me, that was, that was kind of unsettling. Um, Uh, I would find it unsettling too. The thing that I've noticed over the years is that, um, I've learned to be careful of not just criticizing, but even evaluating a technique if the technique is not used properly. Right. And or or not in the right context. And so just like with Sewell, some people have taken it on as a religion. Yeah. And, and again, it, it, you know, uh, it, it, it's a really good, useful position to have to have your weapon and, and it works, it works, you know, with long guns as well, but people have almost taken it and, um, built a church around it. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. Built a church around it. It's like almost built a martial art around it. and it's, it wasn't that it wasn't that it, it it's like somebody who taught you to throw a good left hook. He went, I never knew how to do that before. And you build an art around the left hook. <laughs> yeah, and you forget everything exactly about what, right, right about footwork. Anybody's and, intention. Yeah, yeah. Let's. So there you go. I completely, in the context of what you just described, I completely see where that is an absolute valid technique. Yeah, and and I think as instructors, as students of the gun as you know students of the combative art with a handgun and and i really do look at handguns and and rifles that is a form of a martial art right i, I agree. mean i'm with you there in that like y- your example of the left hook well if you forget yeah. about footwork and the right cross and the straight and the jab yeah. you, Absolutely. You, it, it's you've built your house on a really shaky foundation so yeah. Now, Sewell has been around. I think Sewell has probably been in the defensive circles for much longer. And for those of you that are new or if you're a law enforcement officer and you've never heard of position Sewell, Sewell literally is a what? It's a Latin translation of the word uh, south, right? No, it's, it's Portuguese. Portuguese for south. You're pointing yes, your muzzle south, down. Right. So that when I came into the shooting circles, there was like, there was literally like an altar, well, not literally, but figuratively speaking, there was like an altar to Sewell. And I remember hearing this and then somebody in an article once I read, and I don't remember who it was. I can't attribute it. I remember hearing, Hey, this was never meant to be what it's grown into this was simply a form of muzzle control. That was it. That was like, it was like to get people to understand you can move with your gun in your hand safely and mitigate risk by pointing your muzzle at the dirt. And I have seen instructors toddle off into the woods about, well, your hands have to be like this and your thumbs need to cross and you're this and that. And I'm like, and I had somebody break it down for me. That's like, Hey, point your muzzle at the dirt and come to a compressed low ready. That's it. And I'm like, well, what about the thumbs and all this? And it's like, who cares? It's just, I've got to move from here to here and I can't have my gun pointed at stuff. That's all it is. I'm like, Oh, Oh, well that, that totally like, I would say it's somewhere in between those two. Yeah. The, The principle of having the, the muzzle towards dirt is, is, is a simple one. And it's very appropriate, very often. Now, the nuance of how you uh, do your thumbs and um, and also basically the, the second part of it is, is basically you use the back of your hand, of your assuming you're right-handed, uh, you use the back of your left hand um, basically as a spacer. That way you can control the angle of the muzzle outboard so that it's not pointed at your feet, but it's, it's not pointed, uh, you know, 
um, the angle be so extreme that you are now, uh, your muzzle will project the bullet about three feet away from you. That's too much. Mm-hmm. And so if I remember correctly from, you know, learning it from the, the horse's mouth, um, is that it basically needs to be about a foot to under two feet in front of you. And it needs to be in line with your spine. Now, it doesn't necessarily need to be in the middle of your body because some people have wrist injuries. So if it needs to go, you know, over an inch or down an inch so that you can hold that position, that's fine. But but it is vertical in terms of being in line with your spine. And you use the knuckles to basically, like, picture making a tent. And that's what controls your outboard angle. And the, the thumbs together. The reason that's important is it's not the point. It doesn't in any way take away from the idea of keeping, you know, the muzzle down towards the dirt. It is when you set it up with your thumbs like that, you can snap into a perfect shooting grip much easier. That, that, that's the point of the thumbs and the back of your hand and the knuckles because that way your hands don't have to meet in space like a foot in front of your body to, to complete your, your index, your grip and your complete presentation is the the little nuance of the thumbs together. And on the back of, of your, uh, of your left hand, uh, I use the knuckles that way. It's almost like an accordion, like closing and opening. And that way, all I do is as the muzzle rises, it also rotates, but it never stays off the axis and it snaps into a proper grip. So that's what, that, that's what is, um, people either get wrong or they don't understand. And those are the advantages of it. Well, let me ask you this, because I've, I've seen some people on the inner Googles and I hate that my personality is to explore things to the point that, uh, that I, it's almost an obsession when I get in a rabbit hole, like whether it be guitar or watches or guns or training or whatever. Well, I, well it, thankfully I'm the complete opposite of you. <laughs> well, <laughs> but when I, when, when something like grabs me, I will attack it like a pack of wolves until I'm exhausted. Yeah. And I went down this rabbit hole of like, like position Sewell and, I'll tell you where it came from. I broke out some magazines that I had in storage, not not the kind that go in your gun, the kind that you read. Mm-hmm. And it was all there was an entire article in like Combat Handgunner or something, some old publication, and it sure. was all about Sewell and it went into the historical aspect of sure. how that developed with training a particular police unit to mm-hmm. like uh I, I want to say deboard or or vacate a a transportation method and i don't remember if it was a bus or whatever it was but they and yeah muzzles are going everywhere right and they're like right. oh this is bad so they came up with that to do that and then it kind of went into some more of the minutiae and then right. here we go 20 years later i'm watching a video and this instructor is lambasting that technique as well right. look how easily i can snatch your gun and my immediate response was it's not a retention technique. And if somebody exactly. is close enough to grab your gun, your gun probably either needs to be in the holster or making loud noises and black, bright flashes. Like, like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? That like you're, you're confusing this for something Agreed. it was never intended to be again, much hey. like temple index. Somebody has built a church around it that, that it was never intended to be. It was never a doctrine. It was just a technique for muzzle control, right? Or like spatial awareness right. of where your gun's pointing, right? So I'll give you uh, uh, examples of uh, what I've encountered training people uh, about both techniques. So let's say with simple index, I've had people go, oh, that's idiotic because if a dude smacks you, Dude, you're getting smacked with your gun and you'll get a concussion. Okay, that's valid. Uh, but that's not when I would be, <laughs> that's not when I would be in that position. Conversely, people have said, uh, um, 
I, I've never heard the take it away from you. I heard the, oh, I can reach out and pin it against your chest and you can shoot me. And you can't shoot me. Okay, again, in in that arena, I wouldn't be in that position. So it's Hopefully almost not. like the right. It's almost like the you know the old um, you know it's almost like a, a debating kind of trope where you set up a a a you know got to use a graduate school word after all. It's like you set up a stupid paradigm and then you disprove it. Well, that wasn't what it was. So you set up something that is artificial. And then you laid the parameters of it and then went about disproving it. It's a straw man argument. Yeah, it's a straw man argument. And so um, so with both those techniques, I've heard criticism that to me are not uh, real valid. Uh, uh, I've heard, you know, a person tell me that the problem with Sewell is that it's a two-handed technique and it takes up both hands and you can't use the other hand. And I looked at them and I said, hmm, okay, watch this. And I put my hands in stool. I said, so what do I need? Uh, I need to uh, turn a doorknob. I, my left hand uh, came out of the position. The right hand kept the muzzle in the exact same position. I reached out. I turned the door handle and I came back into the position. I'm like, you know, your hands didn't become welded together. You can go in and out of Sula as necessary. And and to criticize it as it's a two-handed technique that occupies both your hands, you know, again, that, that I don't think that's valid. So I, I hear lots of arguments about both of them that are, are uh, inappropriate, so to speak. Well, let me, th- um, let me throw the wild card at you. This is one that okay. our civilian concealed carry listener has probably never experienced or will never but have you ever made a traffic stop and had your gun hiding behind your uh, strong side hip in your um, hand uh i'm not sure whether we're allowed to answer that question yeah <laughs> right right so uh, yeah. conversely i look at that and i go i go hey i'm making a i hate to say high risk but no traffic stop is low risk but right. as a policeman, there have been times where I have stopped a car that appears to be like the description of a car that's just been involved in a crime. And maybe we're getting like feigned compliance, meaning, oh, I'm going to pull right. to the right side of the road and I'm going to put my hands on the steering wheel and I'm going to wait till you get just close enough and I'm going to gun it or or right. any number of other scenarios. So rather than have to go through the step of defeating a level two, three holster, you have the gun in the hand as you approach and you've got it down by your right side pointed at the dirt. Yep. And in a method or in a manner that one, you're not pointing it at any one human being, but two, you're ahead on the draw. So right now that as a rule, I would not, I would not go, well, the only way that you can safely transport a gun and move with it in your hand is to have it tucked behind your strong side hip behind your holster and up against your thigh, but pointed 30 degrees outboard. So that you know what I'm saying? It's just a technique. It's not a, um, it's not a foundation on which to build your training. Yeah. But there again, is it a valid technique? I've seen, I've seen, I've driven by traffic stops in, you know, in my travels and seen troopers, officers that have a gun in their hand that are low ready, or, or I say low ready, they've got it tucked behind kind of hidden right, right. until, Oh, Hey, everything's cool. And the gun goes back in the holster and I'm not encouraging that behavior. I'm not saying that that is a hundred percent the right thing to do, but there are times that you run that razor's edge between this has a real good chance. This has a higher percentage of being an, a, a conf- an armed confrontation than others, but it's not quite to the level that I'm going to put five police cars behind this, this traffic stop and right. order people out at gunpoint. So it's kind um, of that, that in betweener, yeah. right? Yeah. And you reminded me of something that I really haven't thought about for some time. Um, uh, I used to use that technique indoors. Um, 
but due to the nature of what we used to have to do, we used to have to go, you know, into people's houses and take them out for a particular reason, like a mental health warrant, like a, um, mental health warrant might be the best one. Um, sometimes it was like an adult protective services thing and they needed to get this person out and get them help. And so, uh, many would find it surprising, but I was never the negotiator. (laughs) 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 So oftentimes this happened, I would say probably 50 times in my career where there's at least two of us, but sometimes it was only two of us. And the one person needs to have their hands free and talk and negotiate and so on. But this is not a barricaded person. You can't do it by phone. You have to talk this person out of the room and like out of bed sometimes. So what I used to do was I would stand in the doorway on, you know, the uh, right side of the doorway and I would just look like I'm just standing there. And what no one else knew is I had drawn my pistol and it was down against my leg because I'm literally the cover officer. Right. And, and I, I learned that from traffic stops, but you know, the nature of the bed almost being the car and, and added to it that I'm covering somebody who needs to appear non-threatening and is trying to talk this person out and, you know, say all the right things. And so I need to be in a position to cover them instantly. And for me, I did that exact same thing. And I did that dozens of times where I would surreptitiously draw. No one would notice because they can only see half my body. And I would draw and it would be angled out just the way you described it. And when everything was going good and they got out of bed and or they came, got up out of their chair and their hands were clear and there appeared to be nothing in the waistband and they were coming along the way we wanted to, I would just as surreptitiously holster and no one ever saw it and no one ever knew it. Right. And, 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 we're, and, and, and we're giving and away trade secrets. Uh, you're right. <laughs> we're giving it, yeah, we're right. giving a, we're giving a little unveiling of some trade secrets and, yeah. and okay, but, but that's okay. And all of that to say, it yeah, is. that's not a that's not a, like a, a position that I'm going to teach somebody and go, hey, so every time you do X, you need to do this technique. Right. No, it 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 it, it, ha- it has a certain place. It's it's this word I learned. It's called it's contextual. Contextual. That is a very good word. So what that brings me next to is that so with with Sewell and with Temple Index is that I see it being used um, in like either poorly or not in the right place. And then that is used like to uh, poo-poo it. Yeah, uh, be it like, oh, it's a two, it's an only a two-handed technique. It, it, it ties up both your hands or whatever. And, um, and but here's my single um, most annoying like um, thing that bothers me with with Sewell is it's become a uh, a pose. That's the best way I can put it. It's a pose. So try to picture like you know eight guys or eleven guys like on a team or something, and they want to take a picture together. And everybody goes to Sewell, and it's a horrible Sewell. And yeah. it's canted about 35 degrees to the left. And it's like each guy is covering the guy next to him's thigh. The guy that I always refer to, uh, that I teach with, and his name is Mike Duff. Because mm-hmm. uh, uh, I always like to give attribution. And, and he, he teaches here in the Metroplex. He's a retired officer, lots of experience. He's comes called Group 6 Training. Good dude. Anyway, he calls it Lazy Sewell. And I call it team picture Sewell. Yeah. And, and people think that that's actually what Sewell is. And, and if you look on, um, you know, Facebook or anywhere else, dudes get in this pose and it's like, you're looking at them. It's like, dude, project that muzzle. That, that's like four feet out going to the side. You think that that's what it is, but that's not it. You, you've now created a position that is potentially really dangerous thinking that you're doing it 
doing it right. That bothers me. And then when a person takes that image and goes, this is why Sewell is wrong. So, you know, both of those really irritate me. Yeah. And and I get that because I've done photo shoots with our, uh, you know, that that's part of my other part-time profession is being a, uh, a photo model. No, I'm kidding. But, but like with CCW safe, you know, we did, we, we do a lot of range, um, or we have done some range photos, some very staged range photos where you have a remote camera downline. If you look at my profile picture on Facebook, there's a picture of a three inch Magnum fire ring of fire coming out of the end of a, ben- a short barrel Benelli shotgun. Mm-hmm. But those kind of things, they are, it's almost photo artistic, right? And then there's been some other pictures where, you know, I've been with some other uh, people and we're promoing a gun or we're doing an interview about a different gun. And in the context of handling that gun for a photo shoot, you know, you you take that lazy soul position or whatever. And and I'm not advocating for that or making excuses for it. That's just part of, uh, you know, I'm demoing with this gun or that gun or whatever. It it, it was, there's not been a doctrinal concept built around that, but people sometimes perceive that and they go, Oh, that's wrong. That's so bad. It's this, that, and the other. And it's like, no, you've got to look at the context that we're in. If I'm in a dynamic situation and I have to move around friendly people, there's a pretty good chance that I'm going to be in some semblance of a position Sewell, right? Guns pointed at the ground, not at other people. And I have to keep the gun in my hand and move safely amongst and around them. Is there a reason for me to go, this is the only way it's ever done. This is the only way to do it. No, absolutely not. And I think in the community of firearms instructors, there tends to be some techniques that people will latch onto and turn it into a school. <laughs> and yeah, 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 yeah. I agree completely. I'm kind of of the mantra that like, Hey, I just talked to Hanny. Hanny gave me a really good scenario here on how to use a temple index. So maybe I need to explore that technique or, Hey, maybe this guy that, that only subscribes to temple index. Well, you know, what if we got medical personnel around and they're standing up in the vicinity of where my muzzle's pointing. Well, maybe it's time I learned some other alternate technique, yep. right? Uh, and I have seen that one firsthand where the the situation is at a bit of a lull and we have fire and medical personnel coming in to treat wounded, but we still have to maintain security. Well, I, do I want my muzzle pointed straight up in the ground when a fireman's leaning over me with a flashlight? Probably not, right? Maybe it's time to adjust, modify the takeaway I get from all of this is like, don't build your house of self-defense or, or the martial art of the handgun. Don't build that around any one particular technique. Does that make sense? Like, would you agree with that? No, I agree with it. I agree with it totally. And, and you know what? It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like to quote the uh, great Louis Auerbach. He, he, you know, he was famous for saying, you know, when I was 20, I knew everything. When I was 30, I wasn't quite so sure. When I was 40, I realized I didn't know anything. What happened, the reason I say that is when you get taught a technique, it seems like, wow, that, that is really cool. And, and it may be, but if you then try to superimpose it over everything, it, it's often not, not, not the right choice, but it's all that you know. The people who are not in, in the business of, 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 you know, for a living, handling guns and dealing with people. If your child is small and you need to go pick them up and get them and take them to the safe place, muzzle down is likely not a good idea. I, you know, my daughter is quite young and I remember when she was even younger and she's at the age where I could go, come here, follow me. When she wasn't of that age, I would have had to lean down and pick her up. Now, uh, again, would, would, would I, would, the smartest thing to be would be to be holstered. However, uh, most of us don't sleep with a holster, but we may have a bump in the night that we need to go secure our family members. Right. Uh, in that case, uh, I, I think muzzle up's a good idea. Uh, there's just times and places for it. But I, let me say one last thing, which is this: that I see it as 
something I've seen a lot in my career. I, I take it, and I may be wrong, but I take it as, sign, as a sign of an instructor's immaturity if they speak A, in absolutes, and B, if they give uh, or try to articulate the benefits of the technique by bad-mouthing a different one. Right. And now, I, if I, the I, other technique really sucks, okay, fair point. But if you are trying to give the merits of muzzle up and the justification is here's everything I see wrong with muzzle down and vice versa. I, I, I personally uh, take that as a sign of instructor immaturity. Yeah. And but th- th- there's my rant. And there are, I will give it this. There are a few exceptions to that. Um, and what I mean by that is, there oh, sure, are sure. there are a few things that I think we can say are yeah we can all agree on are a- absolutes, but they are much yeah. fewer yeah. than those that we can say are contextual. So yeah. whether you're law enforcement, concealed carrier, armed citizen, oh excuse me, armed citizen, military, the the best people I've seen in all forms of it, and let's distill it down like this. When they started the ultimate fighting championship, you sure, had, sure. you had a boxer that was against a pro wrestler that was against a Greco Roman wrestler. And, and they were talking about how it was pitting all these different disciplines against each other. And ultimately the guys that were ground grapplers would, would come out ahead. And here right. we go. Fast forward 25 years. They call it mixed martial arts, right? Because right anybody that's excels at one skill or the other does not necessarily have a weakness in any of them. So they have morphed their training into, I've got the kickboxing skills. I got the stand up boxing skills. I've got takedowns, yeah. takedown defense. I've got, you know, how to fight from a guard, how to fight from a half guard, how to pass guard, how to do all these, everything, but none of them are like, well, you know, my left hook is where it's at. Very yeah. few have that have that one technique that just works every time. And generally, if it's so good that it does work every time, eventually somebody figures out how to make it not work, right? I mean, right, we right. saw that in the women's division, right? I mean, I'm. Uh, are you thinking of uh, of uh, Ronda Rousey? Yes, I mean, and Absolutely. I'm. I'm telling you, like. I watched that and I went at some point, somebody is going to knock them off that pedestal. You know, we, we looked at, uh, you know, like, like Conor McGregor, like that guy was a very well-rounded fighter and he was very good at what he did. And what happens? Somebody comes along and studies that and figures out how to knock it out. But none of them really have built their entire platform around any one thing. They have strengths and weaknesses, but they don't go, well, this is the only thing that works and this is all I'm going right. to do. When we talk about, uh, about training, you know, that's one of the reasons that I will even go attend a class with somebody that I am completely the polar opposite of. And, and I will not give names or anything like that, but uh, there have been a couple of instructors in the industry that I completely I don't subscribe to their doctrine, but I will at least go listen to what their justification is. And I think that's something that is a good idea. Once you have kind of established your path, meaning your proficiency path. So, yeah, so we have, uh, we have, uh, slaughtered, slaughtered sacred cows at the temple of soul. <laughs> All right, man. I think this is a good place to stop and, uh, and we'll, uh, I think in the future, we need to kind of like look at techniques like this and and especially for, since we now have a, a, a pretty good legion of law enforcement officers and civilians that are, that are subscribing to the podcast. And we appreciate that. These are the kind of questions that I've been getting lately in my personal inbox is, Hey, what do you think of this technique or that technique? So I think, you know, for future episodes, we'll look at, uh, you know, maybe, uh, 
toddling into the rabbit hole of, of technique. And I appreciate it, Hanny. It sounds like you're getting dinner ready, so I'm going to roll us out. All right. The Off-Duty, On-Duty Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com Podcast Network. Thanks to my guest again for this week, Hanny McMood. Hanny's a phenomenal instructor down there in Texas, and if uh, you get a chance to train with him or go to TACCON and set through his briefing, please do that. Today's episode was brought to you by Range Tech Bluetooth Timers. Bluetooth shot timers. So if you haven't got, if you have not purchased a shot timer, one, shame on you. Two, check out the Range Tech Bluetooth shot timer. You'll never break through the walls of proficiency without a shot timer, right? All right. If you haven't, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. If you have a topic you would like us to explore, send us a message. Offdutyonduty.com is the website. Send us a message through there and we'll explore your topic or your question. We did a mailbag a couple of weeks ago. I like getting comments and feedback from the listeners. So please subscribe to the podcast. The Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast is a production of Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC. Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC presents the following content for educational purposes only. Always take proper precautions. Follow all firearm safety rules. Consult with a competent firearms instructor and have trained medical staff on hand when operating live firearms. Legal content, commentary, or explanations do not constitute legal advice. We are not attorneys and recommend always consulting with competent legal counsel when researching or seeking to understand laws and legal application. Eastridge Training and Consulting LLC, its participants, partners, and affiliates are not liable for any action taken based on the content of this shared podcast.